The Forum on Workplace Inclusion's 2021 podcast series is sponsored by Best Buy. More diversity in tech means more ideas that can change the world. Learn more at bestbuy.com slash more of this. Did you miss the opportunity to join us live at the 2021 Forum Annual Conference? Or maybe you're hearing about the U.S.'s largest workplace DEI conference for the first time. Well, for the first time ever, we're offering our complete 33rd annual conference, Workplace Revolution On Demand. The On Demand package includes access to our workshops, book readings, half-day featured sessions, art and wellness workshops, our Marketplace of Ideas Exhibitor Showcase, half-day higher education industry session, 16 trend talks, and five general sessions. That's the Forum 2021 Annual Conference On Demand. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org to get access today. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast series brought to you by Best Buy. I'm Ben Rue, Program Associate here at the Forum. We're excited for today's podcast, Fair Chance Hiring, with Rihanna Lirando, who is currently the Senior Program Associate at Human Impact Partners, however, was Senior Fair Chance Program Manager at Checker Inc. at the time of our interview. A growing number of companies have put diversity initiatives into practice, especially when it comes to hiring. But one demographic that's still significantly overlooked are people who have been incarcerated. One way to build equality in our society is by providing equal access to jobs. AI background check company Checker saw how gaps in the criminal justice system negatively impact black people and contribute to systemic racial discrimination in our country. Checker made it the company's mission to address the bias and racism ingrained in each part of the system, from arrest to conviction to reentry. In this podcast, Rihanna will help you understand the challenges, barriers, and biases formerly incarcerated people face when seeking employment, understand that practicing fair chance hiring not only leads to more diverse talent, but it also addresses a larger issue related to recidivism and should be part of more companies' diversity initiatives, and understand how companies can build a fair chance hiring and retainment plan. Rihanna is a dedicated fighter for vulnerable talent with a track record of successful programming and thought leadership. She has experience curating cultural experiences and building business transformation services to support the successful hiring of re-entry workers and diverse talent. Rihanna has supporting experience in event planning, project management, program management, public speaking, and marketing and communications. Thank you so much, Rihanna, for being here and being part of our 2021 podcast series. Can you explain what Fair Chance Hiring is? 
Yes, definitely. I think that's an important step. Um, and I think maybe some folks might have heard the term second chance hiring before. Um, the two are used kind of interchangeably. We we stick to fair chance hiring. And what that means for us at Checker is just that um, everyone, regardless of their background, has the right to be fairly assessed for a role that they're qualified for. So what that really comes down to is a, a simple understanding, um, belief, philosophy, principle, whatever you want to call it, that all people have the right to work. We really just want to help employers realize um, that with upwards of 77 million Americans um, who have a criminal record, we can't just disenfranchise that large of a subset of a population from work. So how do we make fair, balanced, and safe decisions um, to make sure that people are getting work in the right places? Because right now, you know, it's just really not happening for talent with records. Um, in fact, talent that have records have an unemployment rate that's about five times that of those without. So to make a comparison, um, what we call fair chance talent or talent with records, um, that's about 27% unemployment, um, which is 2% over the peak of the Great Depression era, which we've been hearing a lot about in this moment because we're almost a year into the effects of the global pandemic known as COVID-19. Yeah. We've seen a huge increase in unemployment rates that have become compa comparable to the Great Depression era. Um, and for fair chance talent, this isn't new. These are the conditions that they've been in. Um, that statistic was pulled in, in 2008. So at least since then, um, this is something that folks have been, have been dealing with. So when we are kind of looking to implement fair chance hiring or when we say what is fair chance hiring, we're asking employers to kind of disrupt that disenfranchisement in a way that's equitable, in a way that is safe, um, and in a way that's that's fair and that recognizes the deep stigmas and disadvantages that these populations have been dealing with for, for decades. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for that uh, clarification and those astounding numbers. That's just baffling, like mind-boggling. So, um, so right off the bat, thank you for the work that you are doing um, to uh, improve that for so many people. Now, how does fair chance hiring relate to diversity and inclusion? Because, you know, we are the forum on workplace inclusion here. <laughs> right, yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. And I think it's something that gets me excited about fair chance hiring, because I think when you first engage an employer saying, hey, have you ever thought about hiring someone with a criminal record? It's like, er, you know, <laughs> people aren't quite, um, they, they get some kind of, you know, shock or hesitation. Um, and not only because of the stigma associated and the lack of education associated with talent with records and, and deeper um, analysis on the conditions that we're in as a workforce in the US during this time, um, but also because it sounds like a heavy lift it sounds complicated. It sounds like you're going to have to hire someone and roll out a program and do all of these things to um, access this talent and make your workplace more equitable for talent with records. But what I love about um, the angle or the strategy of folding fair chance hiring into your diversity and, and inclusion initiatives are that for one, if you're already doing DNI work, um, you already have the function 
within your hiring practices to hire talent with records, you're just adding a new demographic, right? Um, so thinking through, do you have um, goals or targets? Um, what types of recruitment sources are you um, looking for to find this, these different types of diverse talent and adding fair chance talent or talent with records to, to that project? And then the really brilliant and beautiful thing about it is that when we look at who has a criminal record in this country, we see disproportionate numbers of black people, um, brown people, often people who are living in poverty or are low income. We see higher numbers of people um, who are gender diverse. We see high numbers of people who are queer, gay, lesbian, et cetera. Um, and we're seeing increasingly more and more women and actually youth. So those buckets that I just described are what DNI employers are looking for, right? We're looking to increase um, the number of black and brown people in our organizations. We're looking to diversify even our age ranges um, in both directions. We're looking to get more gender diverse um, folks. And these are the people who get caught up, right? These are the people who get caught up in our justice system and end up with criminal records. So all that is to say, if you start your DNI process with criminal records, not only will you be solving for, in my opinion, our most vulnerable populations, but you're naturally going to kind of scoop up talent that hits these other buckets of diversity and inclusion that you're already targeting. What I guess is, uh, does Checker do to um, ensure that once those people are in the door that it's equitable for them that they you know they because there are various groups and with criminal records and like you know with the uh, uh you know people who are unemployed or who are home homeless or low low, low income mm -hmm. like it's a very gonna be a very different experience based on where what different group that person that um, person with a criminal record is coming in from yeah, that's a great question and and so important. And I think, um, you know, foundational to any work that an employer wants to do in terms of retaining talent um, with a record. And that's what we should be shooting for, right? Is actually sourcing, recruiting, retaining, growing and developing um, all of our populations, whether, whether your talent has a record or not. So, um, in order for us or what what checker has done in the past to work towards this um, with our fair chance talent specifically is for one we have target metrics and i think that that's something that um can be i guess not controversial but but um requires a little bit of a deeper dive so we have committed to maintaining five percent of our full-time employee base um, that they have records or are previously incarcerated. So what that does for me as the program manager isn't, you know, oh, I'm trying to like check this box. I'm just trying to pull people in to meet this goal. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do. Um, for me, it's an indicator of what's going well and what isn't. So once we reach that 5%, if suddenly there's a dip, I get to take a closer look and say, okay, did we lose a bunch of talent with records? Oh, no, we didn't lose them. We just hired actually really aggressively and we couldn't keep pace. So that means that we need to actually further develop our ability to source and recruit um, more talents. We actually hired someone to do that who's our um, fair chance development manager. So it can help give you an indicator on like, is the program working or not? And how do you kind of adjust and tweak to make sure that's that's happening? Um, other more, I guess, like culturally responsive things, 
that we've done is we make sure that our talent with records has solid mentorship if they need it, um, that they have folks who are advocating for them and trying to help them progress through the company. Um, we have a 54% promotion or department change rate at Checker. So our folks aren't coming in and stagnating. They're actually growing and developing in a oh. lot of different ways. Um, and another, I think I could go on and on, but I think the, <laughs> last, <laughs> the last one that I'll mention is um, both legally and culturally, it's important to have a solid confidentiality policy. Mm -hmm. So we don't share the stories of our previously incarcerated folks or account with records ever, unless they actually say, hey, I wanna share my story at this offsite, or I want to share my story with this employer, or I wanna be kind of a success story to show other employers what they could be doing and how they could access really amazing talent like myself. Um, but if people don't want to share, we don't. And that has kind of created a space where we, um, well, where, where I, as part of my role, has done a lot of cultural work with our, ta our talent who don't have records to make sure that people are deepening their understanding of the systemic issues that if they have fear triggers, we're talking about it together, not demanding that our talent is like proving that they have a right to be here um, or things like that. Wow, that is really wonderful. I'm just blown away by the awesome work that you guys are doing, Gerald, that y'all are doing. Um, so what are the benefits of fair chance hiring? So many. <laughs> I know this is another one where you could go on forever, and it seems kind of obvious. There are quite a few that seem obvious, but what are the top? Um, yes. Keeping well, in mind I'll, our time limit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll start with, you know, what I call like back pocket stats to, to get employers comfortable with the idea. So in, in 2018, a study from SHRM or the Society of Human Resource Management found that 82% of managers and 67% of HR professionals felt that the quality of fair chance talent is about the same or higher than that of workers without records. So I think that's an important place to start. And our motto is that we're lowering, excuse me, we're lowering the barrier, not the bar. So we don't have a different interview process for our talent with records. We don't have different expectations or goals. Um, the point is to lower the barrier of the stigma of the record and make an individualized assessment um, using the nature time nature test. So what is the nature of the charge? What's the time that's passed? What's the nature of the role? Do they together present a risk or not? Instead of these kind of more moralistic biases that can creep in. But once we lower that barrier, everyone is expected to hit that mark. Um, we do give time to ramp, especially some of our talent, you know, this is their first job after 20 plus years of incarceration, they come in not knowing how to turn on a computer and we give them time to ramp and usually within yeah. 30 to 90 days, they're outperforming their peers. So long way of saying, um, this is a strong talent pool. This is not a um, this is not something that you're going to engage in coming from a place of deficit. This is going to be an asset, this practice to your program. Um, this is also a really great way, especially for us, we're a background check company. So having this diversity of opinion, having this diversity of experience, specifically around employment and criminal records, who better to lead and champion that work than people with criminal records who have become employed by us, right? So we really get the benefit of their leadership and perspective. Um, and I think also maybe one of the last 
one of the last things I'll mention is that um, this population is extremely loyal. The, the turnover rate is much lower than workers without records. Um, because when, when I mean, it depends on your culture, you know, I think Cheddar has an amazing culture. We have a lot of growth opportunities. It's a good place to work, um, but we see a lot of loyalty from this talent. Um, and then the actual last thing I'll mention, I know we're trying <laughs> to keep an eye on time. Um, I think the biggest benefit to engaging in fair chance hiring now is that businesses are not going to be able to avoid it in the future, mm -hmm. right? You know, we know that as a society, we are at the height of mass incarceration. We know 95% of those folks are coming home. We know there are already 77 million Americans with a record. I think of that as a third of our workforce. So if a third of our workforce has a record, and if things like the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission or the EEOC have federal mandates in place to, um, you know, protect this talent, there's no way that businesses are going to be able to simply avoid engaging with this talent pool, nor should they, both for legal and compliance reasons. Um, if I was a business owner, I wouldn't automatically um, reject a third of my strong workforce pipeline. It just doesn't make sense. So the biggest benefit is you're really future-proofing your business and you're preparing for what is coming down the pipeline um, in terms of our workforce, whether, you know, whether we like it or not, this is, this is the, the consequences of you know, decades, if not hundreds of years of, of criminalization and incarceration, we, we have to kind of adjust um, and, and have businesses take part in righting those wrongs. Yeah. And as you mentioned too, with COVID, so many people have become unemployed and sadly unemployment is usually what often a trigger for or you know, leads people to crimes, even you know petty crimes Absolutely. or survival. Um, so, what can companies do to implement fair change hiring? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll just get the shameless plug out of the way first. You can yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, download our fair chance playbook. Um, it is a robust and thorough resource to to get you started on implementing fair chance hiring, no matter the size of your organization. Um, there are a lot of, of very detailed um, blueprints on, on how to start this practice, um, coming from people who have done it ourselves and people who our whole business is to help you hire more people and do it safely. So who, who better to help um, get you on the road towards fair chance than checker? Um, and then I think there are other smaller things that are, that are equally important if you do have a diversity and belonging or a diversity and inclusion program, you know, talk to whoever's leading that and say, hey, you know, have we considered talent with records, go to the prison policy initiative and, and grab some statistics to show, you know, the need and the opportunity for engaging with this population. Um, find some internal stakeholders, whether they're your executive level leadership um, or the people who will kind of help you do the work. Find one team with a manager who has open positions, who um, is passionate about this and try and get one placement that will really, um, really really help you on the road and i think that something that checker did well that i can't recommend enough is we didn't try and reinvent the wheel when we kind of organically came to the decision that we wanted to be an intentional fair chance employer um we looked to the people who have been doing it for years so we reached out to our community-based organizations 
like Defy. Um, Defy is national. So we worked with Defy of Northern California um, out in, in San Francisco. We also looked at the Center for Employment Opportunities. We worked with Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. We worked with Root and Rebound. And we actually went out and said, hey, we want to do this work. Can you can you guide us? Can you mentor us? Can you coach us? Um, and so we got to make those community partnerships that really made us avoid some pitfalls um, and also helped us tap into really strong talent pipelines. So I think if there's one place to start, download the playbook, find your local community-based organization who's already doing this work and give them a call and tell them your intentions. Great. And you might have you might have said it and I might have missed it, but how can people access the Fair Chance Playbook? Absolutely. If you go to checker.com, that's C-H-E-C-K-R.com, and scroll down a little bit on our homepage, it's got a big, beautiful graphic with the cover of the playbook, um, and it's an easy download right onto your, your laptop. Great. Thank you. And we will be including the link to the playbook and a couple other resources um, in uh, on our website, along with the recording of this podcast. Uh, so we'll have that direct link. When you partner with employers, what are some of the biggest mistakes they're making that they might not even know, not might not even realize when it comes to making sure they are giving everyone a fair chance? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and I think a couple of the biggest mistakes that employers are making start with the job description and the interview. Um, so one strategic intervention that that checker made is we actually looked at our job descriptions and made them more fair. And the way that we did that was um, as a first pass, we removed things that were really buzzwordy. Um, I think especially in the tech industry, there's a tendency to, um, you know, use our our industry buzzwords and it it kind of turns into this barrier where if people from different industries or who have never worked this type of job don't don't understand the terms. Um, one, the job description can be intimidating or two, we kind of do this subconscious like, do you know the, the right passwords or not? Um, and it might creep into our assessment of the talent. So instead of saying things like, um, I don't know, what's a good example, maybe like uh, able to thrive in a high, fast paced environment, we might break that down to be something more like able to manage your own um, time throughout the day, balancing email responses, phone calls, and like regular check-ins with your manager, like actually change the language to describe what they're going to do on the job. Um, another leveler that we did is that we looked at the different tiers of the um, jobs. So our entry level, mid-level, and then senior level. And for entry and mid-level really, really looked at, well, do, do we need them to have a certain education level or do we just do that because everyone does that? Like what's the actual reason behind this and can we remove it? Do they actually need three years of sales experience or can they have something that's similar and transferable so looking at those types of things that someone who's maybe been incarcerated for 25 years would just look at the job description and go dang i'm not qualified but it actually has nothing to do with their ability to do the job um and we might make those adjustments so i call that kind of leveling the the job description and then in the interview process 
really breaking it down to be a skills-based assessment instead of looking for what I call the golden resume. So who has the right um, lingo, who has the you know, exact perfect ladder climb um, industry experience and actually think through what are the skills required to do this job well, let's pull them out and let's test for it in the interview um, instead of looking just to see people who, who have the right experience. So that's one big area in terms of even if you adjust your hiring practices to lower the barrier, if you're still interviewing in a way that is um, not equitable for folks, your, your talent's never going to make it through, right? Um, the second thing is filtering out irrelevant charges. So let's say you do that well, you improve the fairness of your job description, um, you're conducting a skills-based interview, and now you, you make an offer, hopefully you're in a ban-the-box state, meaning that you can't run the background check until after you've made a conditional offer of employment. So now a record comes up and what do you do? Um, we really encourage looking into the job type and filtering out charges, um, which you can do through through our product or there are other ways to do it with different background check providers um, and filtering those out so you're not even considering them, right? So removing that opportunity for bias to creep in. And I guess what I mean by that is if I ran a truck driving company and you applied at my truck driving company, before I even started interviewing, I might say, you know what? I really care about DUIs, but I don't need to see anything else. So you could have a record. Um, and if it isn't a DUI, it's not even going to come through. So I'm able to mm. fairly assess you and fairly assess that, you know, you are not a risk to take on because you don't have the charge type that's deeply relevant to my business. So that's another important intervention um, for people to make. And then I think the last one I'll mention is just taking the time, even if a charge does come through that's um, severe or violent in nature, or maybe kind of is adjacent to something that would um, seem risky, don't make assumptions, ask for context, ask for more information. Um, it is perfectly fine after the background check has been run to reach out to the candidate and say, hey, you know, we just wanted to talk through this. Can you give us more information on this charge type? Do you have any evidence of rehabilitation? Um, we really want to hire you on, but we need to do our due diligence. All of that is totally appropriate. Great. And that's, I mean, that last point is really great to know because um, you never know what you can, uh, a lot of employers don't know what they can ask, um, can safely ask. Um, so, and, and you know, you touched on this a little bit just now, but could you go uh, more in depth of how does Checker implement fair chance hiring in its practices? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, we have a, a goal of, of 5% um, and we are really aggressive in trying to maintain that 5%. Since COVID hit, our percentage has dropped to about four um, because of growth of hiring. We haven't lost mm -hmm. a ton of people or anything, but we haven't been able to to keep up with that. Um, but but part of our implementation and our practice is is not moving the marker, right? So we're a little behind and we're still dedicated to get back to five, six, seven and have that percentage grow um, and look into more closely like our are our talent placements um, who have records being managed appropriately, you know, do they have HR support? Are they able to navigate conditions of parole well, et cetera, et cetera. So 
those are some things that that we're implementing um and we're seeing really good results um our population has had an 84 percent retention rate over the past two years which is uh, much higher than our talent without records um, and on our most recent engagement survey we also had a hundred percent engagement from our fair chance talent so a hundred percent of our talent with records thought that they would um, be with checker in another two years which was extremely strong especially um, compared to our, our base population so it was really wonderful um, in terms of other practices that we that we implement um i'd say we're just trying to get better you know we have leveled our job descriptions and we're trying to make them even more equitable we are doing a lot of trainings um on how to improve skills-based assessments um and our bounce back committee which is an internal volunteer committee in partnership with our fair chance development manager has started creating learning pathways um, for re-entry talent to find strong pipelines of training to get them skilled up and then placed into into roles at checker so these are the types of things that we're trying to work on and develop to improve our practice well thank you so much again for being here and thank you so much um for having this conversation unfortunately we are at uh that was our last question that we have time for today um but thank you again uh Rahana for being here and thank you to all our listeners. Thank you Benjamin so much for having me um, and for taking the time to learn a bit more about Fair Chance hiring. We were really happy to participate. Of course, it truly was our pleasure. If you'd like to learn more about Fair Chance hiring, visit checker at checker.com. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again to our sponsor Best Buy and to you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.